Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs, chapter 22. Very common, very well-known passage of Scripture. Just going to start with one verse today. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Proverbs, almost in the center of the Bible. To the center and to the right. I hear music. <laughs> Proverbs 22, 6. Are you there? No. Almost there? No. <laughs> Proverbs 22.6 Excellent It says Train up a child in the way that he should go And when he is old He will not depart from it Father I pray that you'll direct today Give me words of life for your people Lord I pray that you'll Anoint it Anoint every part of this service Including this part Lord That it will do a work that you designed it to do We praise you in Jesus name Amen. Everybody knows that passage. Train up a child in the way that you go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We've sometimes we've built a, uh, a a doctrine on that, a promise that that if I do the best I can, then my kids will always do right. Well, good luck with that. It doesn't always work that way. This is not a a passage that that is a. Uh, and promise in that sense, in that kids are kids, they're human beings, and they have a free will. Every one of them does. You can do everything as right as you can do it, and they can still turn out wrong. And that's unfortunate, but that's a fact of the matter. But we have to understand the chances of children serving God are much greater when they're raised to serve God. If they're not raised to serve God, I wasn't raised in a Christian family, but I had a praying grandma. And she prayed me, I believe she prayed me right into the kingdom of God. Thank God for that. But this passage tells us to train a child. Train that child. Now there was a video that went around Facebook, I don't know, a few months ago. It was of a little dog. Some of you might have seen that. That dog did some of the craziest stuff. It was wild. It prayed before it ate, and it, it did all the, you know, lay, roll over, beg, chase a ball, grab a frisbee, and all, it even went over and pretended like it was urinating on the wife's leg. You know, anything you told that dog to do, it did. And I looked at that, and I thought, I bet you that guy didn't train that dog to do that by sitting on the recliner and watching TV. That took hours and hours of intense, work and labor and passion to teach that dog to do these tricks, to do what they're supposed to do. But somehow, in modern American thinking, it seems to have gotten in there that kids are going to accidentally grow up to do the right thing. Now, my son Jimmy and Jeff here works at the jail with Jimmy, and they can tell you that children who are not taught don't accidentally grow up to do the right thing. They usually grow up to visit them. <laughs> they spend time with them. Training is something that is an everyday, every moment event if you're a parent. Because those little guys, and I preached this not too long ago. I'm giving it to you again because it's a passion of my heart. You know, you, you go out as a man and you, you put on your cowboy boots and your big belt with a big buckle in your hat. You get a big old long piece of straw in your mouth and you walk away. You look back and your five-year-old's behind you. What's he going to be doing? He's going to have the cowboy boots on and the cowboy hat on, a big long string and a big belt buckle if he can because he wants to be like daddy. That's what they do. That's training. Children are watching every single thing that we do. When we say things 
about people that should not be said, they're hearing it. You think, well, they don't know. They're over there playing with their cars in the corner. They don't even have a clue what's going on. Jimmy used to freak us out. We would go to church, listen to the preacher preach. Jimmy would be down on the floor, half asleep, or playing with a car or something like that. We'd think he has no idea what was going on in church. Then we'd be going to eat after church, and he would ask something that the preacher said. What did he mean by that, Dad? And I'm like, you even heard that? I didn't know you were conscious. I didn't even know you were awake. They hear everything. They pick up every single thing that's going on. Everything we do is training to a child. Training, first of all, is an example. Now, if you're... There was something I read a few years back that said that children are equal minus one step in faithfulness to what their parents were. Now, what they meant by that is if... Uh, the, the parents were faithful and went to church on, you know, every time the doors were open, they were there faithful. The children will go to church, but might, might not be quite as faithful. They might miss a few services here and there. If the, as they said in this article, if the, if the woman tends to dress a little bit pro pro provocative, the daughter will dress just a little more pro provocative. Uh, everything that the parents did, the children did equal just slightly less. That tells me how important it is to set a standard high so that our children understand where we're at. Our children are in battle today. They're in a battle because if we send them off to a public school system, so often that is purposely targeting everything that we try to teach them and tell them that it's foolishness and it's stupid and it's idiotic and our children are learning that this is what, it, you know, that, that what we do, what we've instilled into them means nothing. They've been pushed, that's been pushed onto them. To train in Scripture means to dedicate, to inaugurate, to train, to train up, to discipline. And then it goes on to say, in the way that he should go. <laughs> you can train your children, <laughs> but you might be training them in the way they should not go. Uh, in my line of work, as a police officer, I can't tell you how many homes I go into and... The, the parents are smoking weed or using some kind of drug and are giving it to their children. Train up a child in the way he should go, not in the way he should not go. There was a case not too long ago, I don't even remember what town it was, where a, wife, a woman and a, I think a six-year-old were shoplifting together. They had a system worked out. That's not the way they should go. That's not the way God intended it to be. God's trying to tell us, train that child the right direction because they're watching everything, they're emulating everything you do, and every single thing, I can't emphasize that enough, everything we do is training. That child is learning by what we do. Men, if you're disrespectful and dishonor your wife, your, your son is going to learn to be disrespectful and, and dishonor women. That's going to be in there. Wives, if you're disrespectful and defiant to your husband, your daughters will learn to be disrespectful and defiant to their husbands. That's, that's the way it goes. They're, we're training them. We're teaching them the way you should go. And the Scripture says the road, the distance, the journey, the manner, the direction, the habit, the course of life, the moral character. Our job is to train up a child in moral character in the path, the course of life that they're supposed to go. Let me ask you. If your children or your grandchildren 
were just as faithful to God as you are, would you feel comfortable in that? And some people go, yeah. Some people are like deer in the headlights. Oh. <laughs> if your children were just as faithful to church as you are, would that be okay? Would the church be strong? Would the church be successful? See, we look at that and we have to realize they are learning everything from us. And it's frightening, the statistics. Barna Group did a study in 2009 that says that Christian children are in a state of crisis. The moral foundation is formed by the age of nine. Spiritual foundation by age 13. No significant spiritual change takes place after that age group normally. 69% of youth say they know all or most of the Bible stories and themes. Most parents say kids are incapable of making important moral and spiritual decisions until age 13 or 14. Kids are getting less than one hour per week of spiritual experience. 87% of parents are satisfied in just allowing the church to do it. 87%. 2% of 13-year-olds have a biblical worldview. 2%. 4 of 5... Four out of five 13-year-olds don't know what worship is. Most never experience God pre God's presence. Biblical knowledge is embarrassing. 20% of students who were highly churched as teens remain spiritually active by age 29. 20%. 20% of kids who've been in church all their life are still in church and still serving God at age 29. The majority of self-identified unbelievers on this in this country are former church kids. Perhaps for the first time in church history, those most inclined towards belief, our own children, are walking away from the faith at an alarming rate. Only 17% participated in family devotions of any degree of regularity. What will the next generation look like? According to Barna, the builder generation, born 1927 to 1945, 65% of them were were Bible-based believers. The boomers, which were born 1946 to 1964, were 35% were Bible-based believers. We'd already went from 65 to 35%. The busters, born 1965 to 1983, 16% are Bible-based believers. The bridgers, born 1984 or after, the projections are that 4% of them will be Bible-based believers. In the United States of America, the land of the home, the brave, the, the, the nation that was built on biblical principles, on the foundation of God's Word. 4% of our people are projected in the, in the near future to ser be serving God. It's a crisis. Where did this come from? One of the things they addressed is said, what is the difference about kids who stay in church? What is the identifying thing about the children who stay in church? This is what they found. Uh, they are converted. <laughs> and to bring that down, I could read the whole thing here. i got to print it out. I'm going to bring it in a condensed version here. What they said there is this is the problem. We send our children to church, and they have big, flashing, fancy lights, and they, they get up on the stage with, with steel guitars, and, and they're doing rap and hip-hop and, 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 and rock music, and they're dancing and shouting and screaming and hollering and, and acting just like the world. But they're never converted. They never know what it is to bend their knee to the Lord God Almighty and repent of their sins and, and allow God to regenerate them and change their life. 
They go to church and they get entertained, but they don't get changed. They go to church and they get their, their senses tickled and their emotions jumped on, but they never truly, genuinely break their heart before an Almighty God. That's why they're not changed. The children who truly stand for God and remain in church and serve God after their teenage years are the ones who have genuinely converted to God. They, they didn't care about entertainment. They didn't get entertainment. They got the Word of God. Well, you're not going to fill your church your youth group if you do all that stuff you preach sin and repentance and all that stuff who's going to want to come and listen to that the genuine ones that's who i don't care if we fill the church with people who have no no real cause for christ they just want to be entertained i'm not here to entertain you i'm here to give you the truth of god's word i'm here to give you truth and as as a youth leader somebody who is a youth pastor in a position like that, the temptation is, oh, I've got to get more numbers in there. You know, the senior pastor, the board's not going to be happy if, if we don't grow. We've got to get more growth in there. So let's make this thing more in touch with children. Let it, make, let it be more in touch with teenagers, something that they're going to want to come to. And the problem is they never genuinely get converted. I'm telling you, my brother and I did drug deals at Bible studies in Colville when I was a teenager. In Bible studies. There's a difference between being changed, being converted, being born again, and just coming and playing the game. That's what so many are doing today. The other thing that they pointed out that was a big factor is that children who stuck with it and served God and stay in church had their parents uh, speak the gospel to them. Their parents talked the gospel to them. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? When you rise up, when you go by the way, when you sit in your house, when you're at meal, whatever you do, Talk that Word of God. Talk that law of God. Proclaim that law of God. The children have to hear it because believe me, they're hearing what? SpongeBob SquarePants and they're, they're hearing Barney and they're hearing what is that stupid uh, Harry Potter or Pothead or whatever. Is that? They're hearing all that. They can tell you everything Harry Potter ever did. But can they tell you the same depth of the Word of God? Can they tell you what the Gospel is? This is what makes the difference. And, it, and it's devastating. Our kids, our Christian, what are supposed to be Christian kids. I've seen it. I've seen it. Not so much in the small town areas, but in the big town. We were, I was associate pastor in a large church. And, and man, we had it. We had the lights and the strobe lights going on. Man, you went in there and you just thought you were going to a party when you were going into the teen room. Where are they today? Where are they today? Are they serving God today? Because without repentance, without the gospel, without truly being born again, they're walking out the door the same way as they came and we've done them no good whatsoever. Other than we probably made it harder to reach them. Because then they think it's all just a show. It's a game. Kids don't accidentally become godly. They just don't. Now I'll tell you, there's, there's circumstances... Like I said, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. How that works, I don't know. Somewhere along the line, God gets a hold of your heart and you repent before God, you serve the Lord. Uh, you know, even when you didn't have Christian parents. Praise God, because I'm one of them. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. But I tell you what, there's a whole lot of kids who the parents tried to fill them with the things of God and they still turn and walk away. But you know what Scripture tells us? Train up a child the way he should go when he's older. He will not depart from him. 
That doesn't necessarily mean he's always going to serve God, but it does mean one thing. That seed that you planted will never go away. When I was living in the world, I was in the military, I went to Germany and acted stupid and you know, doing all the things that young 17-year-olds do when they go to Germany in the military. Those things that I learned that were instilled in me in a Christian school. My grandma, Jim remembers, my grandma forced my dad to put me in a Christian school. She, she didn't ask him. She said, you're going to put that boy in a Christian school. Dad was like, well, that would cost you. She said, I don't care what it's going to cost. You're going to put the boy in a Christian school. Grandmas carry weight. When grandma speaks, people tremble. <laughs> and I went, I went to a Christian school, and I tell you, Jim and I, boy, we had, we tore that school up. It was every other day we were being booted out of there. I think there, the surface was worn off that paddle. One side was him, the other side was me. If we put notches in it, it'd be nothing but kindling wood now. <laughs> but the thing is, God used the fact that the gospel was being preached to me. And for a long time, and I'm telling you, there are people, I don't know if you remember the Hessians? You remember them? They, they talked the Word of God to me. They proclaimed the Word of God to me. They loved me when I was unlovable. When there was nothing about me that cared anything about God, they loved me. And I don't have a clue where they are today, and they have no idea that the seed they planted grew up and flourished into a person who would serve the, the Lord God. They have no idea. Wherever they're at, they don't know today. You don't know what the seed you're planting is going to do. You might be next door neighbor to a kid that needs Jesus. Show them Jesus. Speak Jesus to them. It'll make a difference. We train. We train repentance. We train conviction. We train obedience. We train respect. I deal with it all the time on my job. And I can tell you when I'm dealing with a disrespectful, snotty little... 16 year old girl that's spitting in her mama's face and all that. You know where that came from? It came from a five year old who was allowed to scream at her mama and go, when she didn't get her way. I've seen it. When you're dealing with a 15 year old boy that'll slap his mama and shove her down and things like that, you know where that came from? That came from a five year old who was allowed to kick and scream and holler and, and kick at, at mommy and daddy. That's where that came from. That came from parents not parenting. This is where the problem is. It came from parents not instilling those things. We think it's funny when they're little. I, I never understood that when people laugh at it. Oh, he's so cute. He just kicked his mom in the knee. Ha <laughs> ha, That's not funny. There's nothing funny about that. That's called sin. It's nasty. It's terrible. And one day that child will come up and raise up and haunt you. Because God says, train up a child in the way he should go. Teach him. We don't like all that stuff. We don't like the discipline. My daughter said, seems like all I do is discipline all the time. Well, that's child training. And when you keep having children every year, you'll keep doing it. <laughs> it won't go away. <laughs> that's training. Discipline. It's a constant event. It never stops. You teach that child respect. You teach that child the Word of God. You teach that child obedience. You teach them how they're supposed to act. When your child is doing something, add 10 years or 12 years to them and think about how it will look then. might not be so pretty then. might not be something we can overlook then. Teenagers with, who do not accept responsibility were never allowed or never forced to res accept responsibility as a child. And when I was in Kettle, there was this one family that uh, I, I don't know how many times I arrested 
Sean Eddings. I'm not going to mention his name. I can't imagine how many times I arrested that kid. It was unbelievable. And when we arrested him, his mom would race us to the jail to get him out. I mean, she was there. Get him out. Bail that kid out. I'm like, make him face consequences for his actions. Never would do it. Last I heard, he's in prison. Is he out? I don't even know if he's out. This is what happens when they don't face responsibility for what they do. My kids knew you go to jail, I'm going to call them and ask them to keep you longer. <laughs> I will throw extra charges in there if I can. Keep them. Teach them something. Face responsibility. I deal with it on the reservation. One of the officers caught a, I think I told you this recently, caught a, a couple of young men with uh, several bags of, of drugs of various kinds. They went to jail. Their drive was suspended. They went to jail. When they got to the jail, the, the tow truck company, we towed the car. The tow truck company called and said, hey, we found more drugs in the, in the uh, uh, toolbox in there. So they go and they find more drugs in the toolbox and they find a gun. They run the gun. The gun is stolen. You know what the parents said? Well, why were you picking up my kids? They weren't doing anything. They were just down to the power ground playing basketball. Why did you bother my kids? What? <laughs> what planet are you from? It's the cops' fault that your kid had a stolen gun? What? The mentality of it. But this is where we are today. We must remember God has called us to train a child in the way that he should go. And that's a huge responsibility. They're going to look to you. They will be as faithful to God as you are, minus just a little, according to the stats. They will be as faithful to church as you are, minus just a little. They will be as modest as you are, minus just a little. This tells me we better set that standard high. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you're not telling I, I I just want to... I want to shake the place because I see it all the time. If you're not faithful to the Word of God, your children won't be either. If you're not faithful to God's house, your children won't be either. They're watching you. That Word of God, that life of God. My wife and I made a commitment when we were first parents. And I'm not saying this is brag. I'm just telling you the truth. We made a commitment. We said that my children will, if my child ever becomes an alcoholic, it won't be because they ever saw daddy or mommy take a drink of alcohol. But we never have. If they ever become addicted to cigarettes, it won't be because they it won't be because they saw mommy and daddy ever put a cigarette to our lips. And we never have. If they become foul mouth, it won't be because they heard mommy and daddy cussing, because we haven't. And I'm not again I'm not saying that to brag, I'm telling you that's a commitment that we made. I I challenge you to make commitments like that. We, we made a commitment when Jimmy was little and every time the church was open. And back then, they had church every day. There was something going on every single day. Jimmy was in a little carry. We'd snatch that thing. We were off to church every day. Every day. We said, oh, this is not so bad. Then Trisha was born. Things slowed down real fast. <laughs> it became a lot more challenging with two. But let me tell you something. We were there serving God in the church. And our children were raised to know what it is to be faithful to God. Not because we were great parents. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that God put that conviction in our hearts. And thank God we did that much right. <clears throat> Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this body of believers today. And Lord, I proclaim to them the Word of God. Because it's a... The numbers are 
staggering and terrifying, Lord, the direction that Christianity is going in the United States. We need men and women of God to rise up. So stand up and say, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to show my children what it is to serve God. My grandchildren, my great-grandchildren are going to see what it is to serve God. I pray for these people right now. Each and every one of them, I pray for them. I pray that the Spirit of God will be upon them. I pray, God, that the hand of the Lord will be upon them. Lord, we're so, we're so tempted to do things that we want to do all the time to the detriment of our children. God, I pray that we will remember that they're watching us. They are looking at us. Church, would you stand a moment? Would you pray? I'm just asking you to take a moment and pray. Ask God to search your heart. Ask God to show you where you are with God. Where are you with God? Is He your Lord and Master and Savior, or is He just a, a name that you know? Is He just a book of stories that you're familiar with? Do you truly serve God with your whole heart, or do you just say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but there's never really any evidence of that? I'm asking you to search yourself and, and ask yourself that. How important is reading God's Word, praying, fellowshipping with God's people, being faithful to the church, things that, that go along with being Christian? How, how, how important are those things to you, or is there always an excuse Folks, I, as a pastor, can hear some crazy excuses. <laughs> I'm just asking you to allow God to convict your life and tell you where you need to do things differently. And if you need special prayer, I'm going to ask you right now. You can come up here and we'll pray with you. If you need salvation today, do not leave here without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Eternity is on the line. There's no reason to go into eternity without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ in the full part of sin. If you are not saved, born again, I want you to come up here and let us pray for you. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm asking you to show us, each one of us, show us, show me, show each one of us where we are. Reveal yourself to us. Reveal your truth to us. Make us come face to face with our spiritual walk right now, Lord. Make us come face to face with it. Help us to realize the value and the importance of those little lives that are looking at us. Father, I pray. I pray for anyone in this place who is not genuinely born again. I pray that they will bend their knee to you and truly and absolutely surrender their life and their heart to you. They will serve you with their whole heart. They will seek your word. They will pray and touch you in their prayers, Lord. They will be faithful in every way. God, I pray that you'll touch them. Pray that you'll touch them. Hallelujah. One more time. Anybody need special prayer? This is the time to get it. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. One more time, I want to pray for each one. Father, touch them. Touch each one. Touch each one in this church, this building today. Lord, you're so good. You're so 
real. You're so powerful. You're so mighty. And Lord, there's so many things that distract us. I pray for each one today that the Spirit of God will touch their life. Lord, if they are born again, I pray that you'll give them a special blessing and encouragement and build them up. Lord, if they don't know you, I pray, God, that the words that were spoken today will never leave their heart and their, their mind. Lord, let it speak to them until they surrender their heart and life to Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, for them right now. I pray for every parent, every grandparent, Lord, that you will touch their lives and give them what they need to make a difference in the lives of those children. And let this next generation from this body right here grow up to be men and women of God to change the world for Jesus Christ. And I praise you once again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Love you. Thanks for coming today. What a wonderful day to see all these children. You're dismissed.